We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which mm-hmm. only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Gregory Ann Cox, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Gregory Ann Cox has been coaching women at Midlife and Beyond for over 20 years. What started as a life coaching practice grew to include health and business. Her why is that women and the men they love live fully expressed and we need our health to do that. She believes aging happens, but it doesn't have to ruin our lives. She has tools to help women age with grace on their own terms. Rebellious Wellness Over 50 is a platform for her work by way of podcasting and coaching. Welcome, Greg. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Thank you, Sarah. I'm happy to be here. So just getting started, let me ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think that you don't? Well, I definitely experience getting older and I experience it as a mixture of of relief because I'm still here and frustration at times because I'm not as fast or capable physically as I used to be. But mostly it's also the what I experience emotionally internally is different than when I was younger. It's calmer in some regards. It's a little bit more urgency in others. So many women, yeah, I'm sure you experience this too. So many women I talk to have one experience physically and another experience internally in uh and they don't necessarily match all the time. No, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so I have heard you say that everything is food. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is everything that we take in, whether we receive it energetically, whether we hear it, we listen to the news, a podcast like this, we read, we're we're taking that in just the way we take in food. And what some listeners may not know is that all of the sources of input create a hormonal response in the body. 
which is either, like food, good for us, healthy, nurturing, or it diminishes our energy. It diminishes our zest and our vitality. And I'm talking about, you know, the world is in an upheaval all the time lately. It just seems like there's always something going on. It's very easy to get sucked into that. It can be sad and horrifying. Then there's some good news. And when I say everything is food, it's to bring awareness, a mindfulness to what we are allowing into our energetic selves as well as food. So it's food and it's the ethereal things we can't necessarily see, but we experience. That's really interesting, Gray. I never thought of it. I mean, I I understand, I, I have thought of what things like the news, uh, it, how it does, what it does to my body. And so I, I don't watch news anymore. I used to, mm. I, and I don't anymore, but I never thought of it in the same way as food. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. Do you get any pushback from people on that or do they go like me? Oh, that's really interesting. No, most people, if they haven't thought of it before, it makes sense to them. Um, if there's ever pushback, some people feel perhaps that they're a little bit more Teflon. Well, that I just watch the news, it doesn't bother me. I have some family members that are they just rub me the wrong way, but that's okay. And you know, it's harder with our family members. We can't always just detach from them as well as we can detach as easily as we can from the news or from bad habits. Or, but um, you know, most people appreciate the awareness of that concept. What are some of the questions that you get most often from women? So my, of late, my my people are over sixty five because I've transitioned into that segment. And so I guess the people that um, resonate with me are following along. And I would say a majority of women want to know how to be with the uncertainty of how they're going to age. Uh, we're doing what we think we can, or I'm doing as much as I can, or I wish I was doing more. All of those things add up to one thing. Do I, how, how can I control the next two decades, three decades, if we're fortunate enough to experience them? and there isn't one answer for everybody. And I clearly have no answer because the future is unknowable, right? But what I will say is if we create meaningful um, habits, I mean, meaningful in the sense that they actually move the needle, keep us strong, our bones are healthy, if we can, muscles are strong. If we can do those things, we can't control the future, but we can certainly put the, move the needle over to the positive side, I think. So that's really the most the most important question, I guess, or the most common question I get is how can I make sure that I'm not going to end up, you know, disabled, unloved, depressed, all those things. I can't make sure, but I can do what I can do, basically. Exactly. Yeah. We, you know, we, there's enough science. If you boiled all the millions of Google results in the world when it says, what does it mean to be healthy or how do I stay healthy? We boiled it all down. We now pretty much hear the same four or five things. Need to sleep, need to eat well, whatever that means for our bodies. We need to exercise, move in some way. And we need to make sure that we are emotionally uh, connected to other people who nurture us, who give us the feedback that matters to us in a good way. Those are really, you know, it's kind of that simple. Drink water, breathe fresh air as much as you can. I could go, you know, we can add on, go to na go out in nature. There are things you can add on, but the basics are pretty much the basics. So if we take care of those things, like I said, we're we're sort of 
I don't know, putting something in the bank. That's really interesting because there are things that we can control to the extent that we control. What I'm thinking about is over time, our, this is my opinion, over time, our environment has gotten less and less healthy. Mm. Um, I think our air, depending upon where we live, but a lot of places, our air is not as healthy. I think in many cases, our food isn't as healthy. And so you can do what you can do, but you can't not breathe. <laughs> and you can't not eat. And you can yes. buy organic when you can get organic. If you can afford it, it's oftentimes a bit more expensive. But I think it's interesting, the impact of our the changes in our environment on our health. Mm. Have you seen anything about like that over the years? Well, I know that the environment around us, regardless of where we live, begins in our homes. And that has become more toxic because many things are made with, I have no idea what that is. Many things are made with chemicals that continue for the life cycle of the product, like a couch or a carpet. They continue to off-gas the chemicals that they were created with um, to make them comfortable, to make them easy to clean, et cetera. And nobody is going to redo their entire home from the top down with products that maybe don't do that. Um, but we can do little things. So let's just say, yes, I, I totally know that the world has gotten more toxic. We have toxins in us differently than, say, our parents did. All children, babies that are tested now have bisphenol and plastics in them in a greater degree than we ever had before. So what we need to do, I believe, is take care of what we can, eat food that's as clean as possible. If you tend to just buy off the shelf for your facial cleaning product, whatever, maybe look at something that's organic and has less chemicals in it. You know, it, again, not to say that we have to change everything at once, but every little thing that we do that's cleaner. And the Environmental Working Group is an amazing organization if people want information on what companies to trust, what products are really, truly what they say. So yeah, it's gotten more toxic. We just, again, it's an awareness of what we're putting in. So what's the name of that group again, just so people hear it's it? It's called the Environmental Working Group. And they have uh, a ton of free resources, but they the two most popular things they do are called the Green, the green 13 and the Dirty Dozen. And I, they may have gotten, the numbers have, might have gone up a little bit. And they tell you which fruits and vegetables are clean and you don't have to buy organic, which ones are. And then there's which products are really things you should begin to phase out and which ones are okay, even if you're not buying uh, organic, environmentally friendly ones. Oh, that's really good to know. Yeah. The organic working group? The environmental the en uh, working yeah, group. The environmental working group. Yeah, ewg.org is the address. Right, okay, great. So talk about um, things that, that as we get older, we're um, encouraged to do, like heart medication, cholesterol medication. I suspect a lot of listeners have been diagnosed with high cholesterol or high blood pressure. And um, what most, uh, this is my bias, what most of Western medicine knows to do is prescribe something. Do women you work with wonder about that? Are they in the middle of those decisions? Many of the women that I work with are either on a medication or like you said, they're about to go down the conversation pathway, which is a one that I find having been to a doctor recently with my husband a few times, 
it's a conversation on repeat until you say yes. So blood pressure medication, I am not going to ever tell somebody not to lower their blood pressure. And if it takes a medication, a water pill, a blood pressure, then let's get the heart rate down because most people, even docs will say, you need to get more exercise if your blood pressure is high. Well, if the blood pressure is already high, and then we ask somebody to include cardio into their routine, then the blood pressure is going to go sky high. That's not necessarily a prescription for good health. So if you need to get your blood pressure down, and then you're going to make some lifestyle changes so that you can get off the medication eventually, I, that's what I suggest. Statins, however, are a whole different ball of wax. Cholesterol has nothing to do with heart disease. I have stacks of books here that I could ruffle, you know, run the names through, through by you. Uh, and it is, food does not equal high cholesterol. Cholesterol has no nothing to do with heart disease, but it's an easy target for prescription medication. And the statins, which are the drugs that are mostly prescribed for high cholesterol, are the most financially profitable ones for the pharmaceutical industry. Oh, I've wow. interviewed doctors who have said, doctors who used to be in practice with like a hospital group who have since gone out on their own, they said they were given quotas. Every month they were encouraged to reach a quota of new statin prescriptions. And sadly, there have been, if you look at the rates of ALS and neurodegenerative diseases over the past 20 years from the time, well, statins have been around longer than 20, but let's just say the past 20 years, a lot of these, including dementia and Alzheimer's, they've gone up and up and up. Well, one of the things that we know is that statin, statin drugs are killers of neurons. They don't just attack the cholesterol that's in our bodies because the brain needs cholesterol to function and 80% of the brain is fat. And so we're told eat less fat, take these statins. So we're diminishing what the brain needs and we're actually killing neuronal cells. And women especially do not do well on statins. Now we've all said, doctors too have said, well, we know you're going to get muscle pain. You're gonna get this, but it won't happen for 20 or 30 years. Well, 20 or 30 years, why would I be on a drug that long? Well, it's just the way it is. If you're on a statin, you're on it for life. I'm thinking no medication was ever designed for that. Now, I, I'm gonna have a caveat. If somebody has a life-threatening disease and we have found a medication that will keep that person alive or cancer-free or this and that, that's a whole different story. I'm talking about a, a medication that A, in high doses is very dangerous, and B, has never been proven to be needed for the long-term. And as a matter of fact, women in their 70s and 80s, our, our cholesterol goes up as we age, especially when estrogen goes down. But let's just say like me, I'm on bioidentical hormones, so I still have a pretty good supply of estrogen. My cholesterol is slowly creeping up, but my HDL is high. And I have a doctor who respects the fact that it, he doesn't get, he doesn't want the correlation to be, end up with me on a statin. But m many women need, and men too, but we're going to talk about women, need more cholesterol as they age because of the brain connection, because of the, all these things that would the body, this beautiful thing that was designed so perfectly, would it have decided that mother's milk, the first food that a baby gets is super high in cholesterol? Would it have all of a sudden made it like, okay, it's okay when you're an infant, but it becomes evil as you get older? And HDL is supposed to be good and LDL is bad. They're both just two pieces of one particular molecule that has a function in the body and every cell needs it. So that's my 
soapbox about statins. Don't take them. What if um, what if a woman uh, is in a category that needs to lower her cholesterol and doesn't want to take statins? So A, I don't believe there's a reason even people with hypercholesterolemia, which are people that are born with a genetic variant, which means their cholesterol is like off the charts, 400, 450. They've even proven that those people don't need to lower their cholesterol. What causes heart disease is other things in those people. So first, let me say, I don't believe any woman would ever need to lower her cholesterol. However, if she wanted to, dietary changes will lower cholesterol even though food is not equal to the rates of cholesterol going up and down. A lot of people have recommended red rice yeast. It's a supplement, but it has the same mechanism of action as a statin. So I would not recommend that. I would just say, be happy with your cholesterol. It's there for a reason. And here's another stat. When they do autopsies on people that die of heart disease, 50% of the people have low cholesterol, 50% have normal cholesterol. So how do we make sense of the fact that if it was if lowering cholesterol resulted in longer life, which it does by about three days, if it necessarily, if lower cholesterol necessarily meant we were going to live longer, then anybody who died of heart disease would only have high cholesterol. Not the case. Are there any supplements? Um, so red yeast rice isn't a good thing to take. Are there any that are good? You know, I would leave that to a professional. I don't. I don't want to recommend anything. I'm not really that attuned to what right. I, I work with a woman who's a genetic, she's a company who does genetic testing. She knows all about the biochemical pathways and she can help people lower their cholesterol, but I don't want to recommend anything because right. it's no. so individual. Yeah. Understand. So what is, um, tell me about rebellious wellness over 50. How did that come about? Where did that, around you well, start? what is it? I, you know, I try to think back about naming things. Um, if I would have to say it started because I came into the world with the rebellious streak. If my mother were here, she would tell you that that is exactly true. My first business when I got certified as a coach was Midlife with a Vengeance. And I had a coach and we were working on this name and it, it just took forever. And all of a sudden, there it was. Well, once I got past midlife, and the people I was working with were kind of inching out of midlife, I thought, well, now what? And because I didn't want to just stay there. And so again, I did a lot of, you know, mind games and mind maps and coaching programs and things. And one day, I just realized, what I teach is a rebellious way of being healthy. And the over 50 part, really happened because I was rebelliouswellness.com for the longest time. And then I decided to step away from health coaching because it felt like everybody was a health coach and I was just frustrated. And so I opened another business, which I still have called Be More Marketable. But I let the domain go, the rebellious wellness domain. And when I went back to get it, I couldn't get it because somebody had bought it. <laughs> so I thought, well, rebellious wellness over 50. Okay. So yeah, it, it doesn't matter what age really. It just... Um, it's a matter of standing up for what's important to you and how you want to age and then finding doctors and supports people. It takes a village really, right? So find the villagers that are going to support you in the way that you want. If medication feels good to a person, take medication. I'm not saying nobody should be on medication. We're all going to need it at some point, right? Um, but for those who don't want to follow the drumbeat of the pharmaceutical world, uh, I would say there are docs and other support personnel that will help you. They're out there. 
Yeah, and that's really hard. I tried to find that. And I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so it's not like I'm in the boonies somewhere. Yeah. And I have tried to find, I don't, I'm not sure what, have you by any chance read Tony Robbins' Life Force? I didn't read Life Force, no. Well, he didn't write it. Um, He compiled it. Um, And I think it's a marketing thing that, that he, you know, that his name is on it. Yeah. But he talks about all of the new stuff that's coming down the pike in healthcare. And it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, I'm sure, fantasy. But even if a percentage of it is true, then it's very exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been on a mission to try to find a functional medicine person or or a, a regenerative medicine. You know, I'm looking for something. And it's really hard to find. Yeah. I think um, if you're looking for a local doc, I can't speak to that. But I do know that um, I've and I've interviewed at least like six people come to mind that do virtual uh, practice virtually. So you can work with them anywhere in the world. Um, but I know it's important also to have somebody you want to go to the office sometimes. Right. You want them to look at something or listen to your lung or whatever it is. Um, but I'm surprised that you're having a hard time where you live. You I know think that that would be the panacea. Of- I know. I would think so too. But uh, what are some of the questions you're living with right now? I think that we all sort of walk around and I wonder, you know. Yeah, I I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if, you know, they say that you, when they've interviewed people on in hospice and they're about to cross over and they say, Oh, I regret never having spent enough time with my family. I regret having worked more than I should. I w- and I wonder what my regrets will be. Like, will I have regrets? Probably. But I, I also wonder if, like, what the world is going to be like in another 10 or 20 or 30 years. I plan on living at least another 20, you know, 85, 6, 7. But again, I, the kinds of questions that are philosophical in nature are great for a few minutes at a time. But other than that, I just get bogged down because I it's unknowable again. Um, I do have the same question, my clients. Do I, am I doing enough? What will my aging look like? I look at my aunt who's 91. She's doing pretty good. She's healthy. But that doesn't mean that I'm exactly in the same genetic profile with life. Because lifestyle has such a huge influence on our genetics. But yeah, it's it's really sort of existential stuff but i'm not i'm not negative about the future i'm just curious about what it's going to look like well i think it's really hard not to be negative about the future because that's what we hear so much mm-hmm. but that makes headlines yeah um and i'm i'm curious also i'm not negative i think um i don't know what's going to nobody knows what's going to happen but i have a lot of faith in the younger generation mhm I think that they're asking a lot of good questions. I think they're standing up for things that need to be stood up for. And I think that as some of some of us get out of the way and they can mm-hmm. move in and take over, I have high hopes for that. So, yeah, yeah, that's I'm with you for sure. It sounds like you made at least one pivot in your life when you decided to look more at um, not a, not a, not just life coaching. Um, what what 
what are major, have you had other major pivots in your life? Absolutely. I wanted to be a doctor and I ended up being a chef. So that was pivot number one. Uh, being a chef was, I, I wanted to go to culinary school. So I started working in kitchens until I could find a way to get my grandfather to pay for it actually. And he did. And I loved it. And I was in the food industry for 27 or eight years. I had tons of great experiences, which included managing a private island as the director of hospitality. And then I went, after I left that job, I was working as a private chef and doing catering. And I loved it until one day I didn't. And that's when coaching, I literally woke up one day after working all summer for a family. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And now what really? And I remember sitting in my bedroom uh, by myself, I had bought a house, I was living alone, and I was really sick. And I was listening to somebody like Harvick or some personal development person talking about this event where they were going to help you find your purpose. Because once I stopped cooking, I didn't stop cooking. I just said I didn't want to do it. I really was just, I had no idea. But I studied psychology in college and I thought, well, maybe there was something there. Anyway, I got to this event, even though I had no money, I somehow finagled a scholarship and then I finagled an airplane ticket, which you know, it was pretty cool. And when I went there, all the things we the exercises we did led to coaching. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't, not a sports person. I don't know anything about a, being a coach. And, you know, I got educated in what coaching was about and I took to it. I got, I went and found a school to get certified in. And the other pivots from life coaching forward, really the, the, the health piece came because midlife with a vengeance I was going through perimenopause and I just started writing about it and people started following and then I was doing speaking. So I got more people on my list. And then business coaching came along because I had experience as an entrepreneur. I was attending a lot of events. I spoke to somebody and they said, hey, would you come and talk to my people about marketing or this? And so that wasn't really a pivot as much as it, to me, it was like a line extension, you know, like Diet Coke and then there's Coke X, Coke Super. I just felt like it was coaching it was just using another area of my expertise to help other people. Uh, so that's, and then of course, starting a copywriting marketing business was a big pivot. But as I said earlier, I was, I, I knew I could do it and I was tired of doing it. This is always the way I change, Sarah. I get tired of something and I have to figure it out. And so it's given me a lot of great experiences. That's so interesting, Greg, because one of the things I talk about is I think for women, 50, 55, 60, 65, that many of us come to the point of, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Whatever it is, I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But what's next? Yeah. You know, what's, what's next? And we use different roads to try to figure that. Mm -hmm. But I uh, think of mine, when I worked in a company for many, many years, and, and one day coming down the escalator, I felt like I had a wetsuit on. And um, I don't know anything more binding than a wetsuit if you're not in water. Okay, I got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So we have different. Okay, that's it. I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We need to be prepared for that and see it. It's scary. Oh, yeah. It's very scary. Um, so when I talk to women about that, I don't pretend I wasn't terrified. Um, the only thing... And that sounds so trite, but the only thing that was scarier was the idea of staying. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and I would have to say that there are people in our lives that might say, 
are you crazy? You're going to yeah. do something else at 50, at 55, at 60. And all I can say is love them. They mean well and do what you need to do right. because it's not their life that will be impacted. And sure, starting over, finding a way to make money again after, you know, and luckily I did have cooking to fall back on. I could always do a party or cater something so that I was earning money while I was, you know, building my coaching business. You can't, when you can't stay, you can't stay. Right. That's exactly right. So yeah. what's next, Greg? Do you know what's next? What, oh, have, you, what have you not done that you're thinking about? <laughs> you know, that's an interesting question. I do have a children's book in me that I've been, I've had for years and I started working on it last year, but it takes a huge time commitment. I know I've written one book. I had six months to do it. It was part of a program and it was on health, which is something that I know backwards and forwards. I don't know really about writing for children. So I think I'll do that one day, but right now I'm, I just love what I'm doing. I'm working with two great companies on their copy and their websites and building a business uh, for one of them. And I also have, I, where I live, my husband manages a place property and I do almost all the decorative gardening. So I always want to have plenty of time to do that in this, you know, the appropriate time of year right now, of course, there's not anything of that to do. I don't know. And who knows what life's going to put in front of me. I'm always open. I think that's one of the things that is most important is rather than close down and get scared, try to stay open and be scared <laughs> because you never know what's going to wander by. That you know? is true, right? <laughs> it's true. And I say stay connected to people and meet new people too, because it's very easy to get in our lane. And just the other day, somebody wrote to me that I knew from years ago and said, hey, we're doing these online networking things and they're your kind of people. And I thought, oh, networking. And I went, oh, networking. Yeah. I haven't met anybody new in a long time. Why not? Why not meet some new people in my field or even in other fields, younger, older, it doesn't matter. I just think it's important to do that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, we know, we know, we don't know a lot, but we, we do know a lot. You said this about um, healthy aging. And one, one of the things is maintaining contact with people mm -hmm. and people who are healthy to be around and that you like, but just maintaining contact. Yeah, absolutely. You have done so many different things of all the things you've done. What are the two or three things you're most proud of? When you asked that question in the email, I thought, well, what kind of hubris answers that question? Where does where does my ego want to come from? Because, but then I realized it's nothing, it's not from that place. It's from a place of recognizing something that I and whoever else you've asked that question to may have done that felt like an achievement or an accomplishment. And I would have to say that graduating culinary school was huge for me. I was really, I wanted it, I went after it. My I was my mother had died a couple of years before. And so it was basically on my own doing it, but it was, I was just a natural. And so I'm really proud of that. I'm these businesses that I've created that have allowed me to coach other people, to help other people, give them guidance, ask them good questions. I'm really proud of the fact that I did finally say when it was time to leave cooking, I got to get out and I'm going to do something and I'll figure it out because that's just been decades now of feeling like I'm in my place, the place that I was, you know, the part of me was designed to be. And I'm going to withhold the third one because I think there's something I haven't done yet that I'm going to say, I'm really proud of this. 
They're going to be really proud of your wonderful children's book when you get it written. There you go. My wonderful children's (laughs) book. Yes. Oh, Greg, I can imagine people are going to want to get in touch with you. How can they do that? Well, they can find me at Rebellious Wellness Over 50, the numbers 50.com. And on social media, I'm Rebel Well 50. And I have a couple of, you know, lead free freebies on my website. Um, I will say one thing. It's funny. I was just going to do this today, tomorrow. On my website at the very top, there's a little banner and it says, lose it for the last time. And it's all the tips and strategies I've ever had because I've, I've yo-yoed, but I've gotten stable over the past like 20 years. But I realize I am no longer interested in helping people lose weight. I'm just not. And you know why? Because that's not the focus as we age. It, if we're still feeling like we don't like our bodies when we're in our 60s, 70s, 50s, I want to help turn that idea around and focus on the person being happy and healthy in the body that they have. So I'll be taking that freebie down. So if you want it, get it now. <laughs> so give us the website one more time. Sure. RebelliousWellnessOver50.com. And those are numbers, five zero. Five right? zero, yes. RebelliousWellnessOver50.com. Yep. Okay. Well, that's our time today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at PrimesparkWomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Greg Cox. And don't forget, you can find her at RebelliousWellnessOver50.com. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, you're welcome, Greg. Thank you. And everybody, thank you for being with us. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.